Hi, good morning and welcome to worship at Middle Church. We are so glad that you're here. I'm Amanda and I'm one of the ministers here. I know today will be a wonderful morning of community and music, prayer and diving into scripture together. As we continue to worship, let's take a moment and center our bodies, our minds and our spirits. Take a breath with me now. And let's continue to worship now as we sing our opening hymn, Lead Me, Guide Me. So now is the time for the message for children of all ages. So that means if you're young or if you're young at heart or if you're younger than springtime, which I guess is an adult joke, um, this is your time. So I would like you to raise your hand if you're going back to school, you're getting ready to go back to school or you're already in school. So yeah, me too. And seriously, look at all these books. And this is not even, this is just the first stack. There's so many books. Um, and like you, I haven't been in school in a really long time. And I bet you guys, just like I was, are excited to see your friends again. Um, either whether it's face-to-face -face or on Zoom. And also, if you're like me, you're excited and maybe you're a little bit nervous. I know I'm a little bit nervous. Um, you guys have been so brave for the last six months. You know, school stopped. You couldn't go outside to play like you were used to. You were home all the time. And everything was closed. And all the grown-ups were completely stressed out. So a long, long time ago, God helped 
some very stressed out people, the very stressed out people of Israel, get through a really hard, really hard and difficult time. And they trusted that God would make everything okay. And she did. She totally led them to safety. I think that's how God is. No matter how scared we are or of what's happening or if we're in school or if we're out of school or if we're seeing old friends or making new friends, God can make it okay for us and keep us safe. And then we can help other people, like our friends and our family, we can help them feel safe. So let's say a prayer. God, thank you for keeping us safe today and tomorrow just like you kept people safe a long time ago. Remind us that we can always, always ask you for help, no matter what. So be safe in school and let's see a hamba our way out of here. Project are presenting two Freedom Labs September 17th and October 1st from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information or to register for these important events, head to our website. Homecoming is 21 days away, October 4th. We cannot wait to gather with you as a community and usher in the new season of the church. And we are wanting to start a new thing this year. What about a pledge drive? We are blessed enough in this congregation that 25% of us give, and we're wondering what it would look like if all of us, if we could get to 100% of giving for homecoming. That is 21 days of giving, beloved. Any amount, no amount is too small. Really, no amount is too small. And no amount is too big. Really, no amount is too big. Five, 500, about 50,000. Uh, we just would love to see what God can do when all of us show up together. Do you have something in particular that we can pray with you about? Um, prayer concerns? Do you want to speak with a pastor? Do you need financial assistance? Head to our prayer portal on our website and set something up. And if you need just a little prayer pick me up through the week, call the church and at extension four, you'll get an English prayer and at extension five, you will get a Spanish prayer. We hope that you will connect with us during this week. Now, if you will join me in a word of prayer, it's a sung prayer, and I'm hoping that you will sing along once you catch on. What God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. I know without 
what God has for me, it is for me. What God has for you, it is for you. What God has for you, it is for you. I know without a doubt that God will bring you out. What God has for you, it is for you. What God What God has for me, what God has for you, what God has for us, it is for us. Amen. And now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in whatever version you know, whatever language you know. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's so good to be with you. Sending you love from the Middle Church Choir. Peace be with you. Peace be with you.
Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 19 through 31. Listen now for a word from God. The angel of God, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them. All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers at the morning watch, the Lord in, in the pillar of the fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army, threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal, normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariot and chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved the Israel the Israel that day from the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore 
Israel saw the great work of the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servants, Moses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I really struggle with this text. Like the scripture Ashley preached last week in which God kills all the firstborn Egyptians, at the heart of this story lies divinely sanctioned destruction. Listen again to the words that we read. At dawn, the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them to the sea. Not one of them remained. Not one. It's an uncomfortable scripture. Our rightful understanding of God as loving and just leads us, I think, to obscure these parts of the Bible. We focus on the Israelites escaping through the Red Sea and not on the Egyptian army consumed and destroyed by its waters. No one mourns the wicked. And it's not just us. In the classic film, Prince of Egypt, the Israelites walk through the sea for a solid couple minutes before an incredibly brief shot of waters washing away the soldiers that trailed them. Even in a cinematic universe, watching God indiscriminately smite a few thousand people kind of ruins the mood. Now, part of this, I think, stems from a broader discomfort with violence, specifically violence as a tactic to bring about a moral solution to a problem. Inasmuch as that's our issue, it's commendable. When possible, we should always try to pursue nonviolent solutions to problems. The brokenness of our nation is a legacy of violent tactics. Systems of death descended from chattel slavery and indigenous genocide that have changed their shapes but not their function. If we are to build something better, it will require moral imagination that dreams beyond what we have all inherited. But I think the other part of our reticence in approaching these texts is that too many of us, and I'm thinking particularly of white folks right now, want to believe that nothing is beyond redemption. We yearn to know that even determined evil can be healed and reconciled. What this text offers is a harder truth. In order for God's people to flourish, sometimes things must be destroyed. In the verses before today's reading, the text makes it clear that it was God's full intention to drown the Egyptian army in the sea. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, God says. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Woof. There are definitely vestiges here of a more polytheistic worldview common at the time. While Israelites were monotheistic in their worship of God, for centuries they still held that other gods were real, just not worthy of worship. And so certainly some of this is winning in, God, winning in battle means that our God is bigger and stronger than your God. But I think there's something else going on here too. God understands that people who enslave other groups of people don't just stop when their victims escape. They'll turn and enslave another, different, weaker group. So God decides to end this deadly circle by casting the mechanism of its enforcement, the Egyptian army, into the sea. God's message to the Egyptians is unmistakably clear. You will not enslave anyone else. 
God's message to us is equally clear. Sometimes we move beyond the possibility of simple reform, and evil must be shattered. I fear that we are walking perilously close to this line right now, if we have not already crossed over. One of the most ominous political developments in recent memory is the widespread defense and praise of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old white supremacist who grabbed an assault rifle and drove from Illinois to Kenosha, Wisconsin to patrol the streets, where he murdered two protesters and wounded a third. Let's be clear. Kyle Rittenhouse is a domestic terrorist. Full stop. And yet, a Christian crowdsourcing site has already raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in his defense. The president liked a tweet saying, Kyle Rittenhouse is a good example of why I decided to vote for Trump. And subsequently, he parroted white supremacist talking points about Rittenhouse fearing for his life. We are no longer nibbling around the edges of fascism here. The president and his administration are making it deadly clear where they stand. It's time to register and to vote, and to get everyone you know to register and vote, because if we do not, there may not be another election in which we can vote against these politics of death. The great rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel once wrote that war is always a collective failure, even so-called just wars like the fight against the Nazis, because it reveals our inability to solve our problems through nonviolent means. If we do not stop burgeoning white supremacy and fascism at the ballot box, the only choice may be to drown its violence in the sea. And that is a road that none of us should wish to walk. But we shouldn't only vote from a place of fear, although that fear ought to be enough to make us act. But voting, like all things we do, should come from a place of love. God drowns the Egyptian army not only because God is angry that they are oppressing God's children, but because God so deeply loves the people who are being oppressed. In the words of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. If we really love our neighbors who are suffering, it is not enough to simply staunch the bleeding. We must shatter the oppressive wheels that have trampled folks long before this president took office. Obviously, this work does not end at the ballot box. It must be part of a larger movement for revolutionary love that fundamentally reimagines our political contract, changes our understanding about what a government owes its people. However, this work does begin at the ballot box, because if we do not get there, it may require more than democratic realignment. So how do we begin? I think our scripture offers a hint. God says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch your hand out over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I can just see Moses now. Uh, excuse me, God? Come again? You want me to do what now? And picture it, they're being pursued by the Egyptian army with all of their chariots and horses, and they have now reached the Red Sea, cutting off any possibility for escape. In the moment of desperation, they turn to the Lord. Surely God will send an army of the heavenly host, or will turn the Egyptians back. Instead, God says, raise your staff over the water, 
and I will divide the sea. But Moses trusts the Lord, and so he does as God asks, and lo and behold, God fulfills God's promise and delivers the Israelites to safety. Truly, it can feel as if peaceful, democratic action is simply no match for the evil that we face. But God asks us to trust her, that she will deliver us just as surely as she delivered Moses. If we are able to rally enough people together to truly make this election a referendum disavowing the bigotry and hatred of the past four years, this may still be a moment where the sea parts and something new becomes possible. And with luck and God's help, perhaps this can be a moment where it isn't just the Israelites who walk through the parted waters towards the Promised Land. May we write a new story, one in which no one must be drowned in the sea. Because here is something of which I am sure. Even though it became necessary, God wept as the Egyptians drowned because God does not delight in any of her children's suffering. It may have become the only option, but it was never the outcome that God desired. So in this moment, God is asking us to raise our ballots, that we might create a new path through which every single one of God's children can move, towards a promised land where everyone is fed, and everyone is housed, and everyone has health care towards a promised land where no person is shot in the back by racist police officers, where no white boy grows up with his heart so full of hatred that he feels compelled to hunt his neighbors. This is where God is leading us, but it begins with raising our hands and our ballots across the turbulent water. Thank you, Ben, for your sermon and that reminder that God calls all of us to raise our hands and our ballots across turbulent waters. Hey, Middle Fam, my name is Elise and I'm on staff here at Middle Church and I'm really excited to tell you about two events coming up that you do not want to miss. Because we know if ever there was a year to vote with a moral imperative, this is the one. That's why we've created two no-cost Freedom Labs to help remind us of the importance and power of our votes. Our Freedom Labs are taking place on Thursday, September 17th and Thursday, October 1st from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Both nights we have powerful lineups of speakers to engage us in our history of democratic participation and voting in troubled times such as this, as well as to help us understand and unpack what it does it really mean to battle for the soul of the nation. The lab is brought to you by our amazing voter reform group, our staff, and of course your stunning gifts. And it's a part of our ongoing work to make a more just society, one that centers those who've been pushed to the margins for far too long. I hope that I see you there at these events and others as we make our way to election day. Mental, as we raise our collective consciousness together, we raise our capacity to create personal, relational, and systemic change. And we are in this movement of love and justice to make God's reign on earth. And God calls all of us to be a part of it. So join the movement, Middle. How do I join the movement? I'm so glad you asked. Well, the easiest way is to become a member of this beautiful place. And you can do that by clicking join from our homepage or by going to www.middlechurch.org join. And I don't want the distance to scare you, friends. It doesn't matter if you're based in New York or not. You can still join our church. The other way that you can join is by powering this movement with your financial donations. Middle, I really want to impress the importance that 
No amount is too small. Even $1 helps us build our programs for our children, for our career family, for our seniors to cancel rent and to continue to get out there and engage folks in completing the census and registering to vote. And now there are four ways in which you can donate. You can go to our homepage and click the donate button or get there by going to www.middlechurch.org slash donate. Click the donate button. You can go to our Facebook page. Many of you are already here uh, and click the donate button. It's as simple as that. You can also text to give. You can text the amount that you would like to give to 917-924-4666. And my very favorite as a millennial, you can Venmo us your donation. Our username is at Middle Collegiate Church. And finally, when you vote for love and justice, you're already a part of the movement. So get registered to vote. And if you're already registered to vote, that's great. But do you have a plan to exercise your right? Are you mailing in your ballot? Are you standing in line? Take the time today to figure out your strategy. There are too many lives counting on it, Middle. The time is now, and we are the ones we've been waiting for. Je t'aime, te amo. Ya te bien, il bleu. Ani ochevet ofka. I love you. The sounds are all as different as the lands from which they came. And though our words are all unique, our hearts are still the same. Love in any language, straight from the heart, pulls us all together. Never apart, and once we learn to speak it, all the world will hear. Love in any language, fluently spoken here. We teach the young our differences, yet look how we're the same. We love to laugh. To dream our dreams, we know the sting of pain. From Leningrad to Lexington, the farmer loves his land. And daddies all get misty-eyed to give their daughters hand. Oh, maybe when we realize how much there is to share, We'll find too much in common to pretend it isn't there. Love in any language, straight from the heart, pulls us all together, never apart. And once we learn to speak it, all the world will hear. Spoken 
Middle Church family, thank you for your gifts today. Now let us pray. Most Holy God, thank you for these gifts of resources and time and talents for the spreading of your love and peace and justice throughout the earth. Amen. Wasn't worship wonderful today? I'm so grateful to our team, to the singers, to the writers, to the musicians, to the preachers and the prayers, to the editing team, to everyone who makes worship happen week in and week out since March 15th. Goodness, since March 15th. It's not the same as being in the sanctuary, that's for sure. But I find that straight to your eye content so deeply moving, it feels like everyone is talking directly to me. Thank you, Middle Church, for making it happen. You do that with your donations, and I'm so thankful. Receive this blessing. May we remember always that we are co-creators with the Holy, that we make it happen, that we make love happen, joy happen, justice happen, peace happen by the work we do in the world. Be a blessing, and you are blessed. Amen.